Welcome to the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast, a podcast for school and district leaders who want to wake up and be excited to go to work, ensure that teachers are happy, students are joyful, and parents are engaged and make a positive difference in the lives of those they serve. Your host, Dr. Donna Marie Kozine, will share tips, tricks, and proven strategies to increase joy in your staff, students, and yourself. Hello, I'm Dr. Donna Marie Kozine, and I'm so excited to be here with you today for episode four of the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. Today, I am here with a new friend, Terrell Key, who I met actually through Facebook, um, some leadership groups. And I definitely, after meeting him, wanted to have him on my podcast. As you know, my second season is people who inspire me and friends in education. So let me tell you a little bit about him and then he can... uh, talk to you a little bit about what he wants to highlight. So Terrell is an assistant principal in Collinsville High School. He currently is serving as president of the Illinois School Counselor Association, and he operates a YouTube channel called The Key, nice play on words, to success that highlights achievements of educators around the country and his journey to becoming a better educator and human, which I love. He recently became a site-based trainer for the American School Counselor Association. As a former school counselor, he utilized data and technology to push the department to become more innovative, effective, inclusive. He is a published author. He, man, you are the real deal. You are the key to success. Uh, He was named the Collinsville School District E-Educator of the Year in 2017. He was recognized by the College Board in 2018. He received the Linwood Alumni Spotlight in 2019 and was awarded Illinois School Counselor of the Year, Year 2021. I don't even know if I should be in your presence. He graduated from Lindenwood University with a specialist degree in ed leadership in May 2021. So, well, that's your professional thing. Mm-hmm. And you want to add about yourself to our listeners and viewers who are watching it on YouTube? Uh, I mean, I think uh, like one of the most important things just to highlight about myself, my channel, and just everything that I, I kind of have going on is the fact that I kind of look at uh, life with a, a mindset towards growth. I realized that, you know, like there's there's times, there's moments in your life where you're not, maybe you probably might not have the capacity to do some of the things that you want to do, but just over time, if you keep trying, keep doing the right things and uh, you keep caring about children, ultimately you'll get there. So I just like the, you know, my YouTube channel, just meet with educators from around the country so that they could talk to, um, talk about like what inspired them. And then also just talk about myself in the way that I go about just getting better a little bit every day, uh, just Hopefully to become, like I said, a better uh, educator in person. So that's all I got going on. I love that. So everyone who's listening or watching today, make sure you check out his YouTube channel, The Key to Success. Lots of great content on there. So let's start by talking about how you moved from counselor to administrator, because sometimes people will see that as two different things, right? So tell right. us how your leadership uh, path came to be. So I started off actually um, as a substitute teacher and um, I realized then, cause I was actually majoring in business and I realized then that I really love working with children. Like just, I don't know why, like just like fire, like I was on fire, just like having like, su- like it didn't even really feel like work. Um, I realized that uh, then. So I became a teacher. I taught for uh, four and a half years, became a school counselor because I realized that those conversations that you have, uh, with children is so meaningful, you know, um, just being able to just sit down with them as an adult uh, and just really just listen to them and um, hear what they have going on and try to help them find solutions that best like work best for themselves. 
And then just like along the way, like I started to feel like I really accomplished a lot in uh, school counseling and that I really wanted to have like a voice, uh, especially, you know, or like a say, like in um, and things that kind of um, that are kind of going on in the school and in the district and things like that. And I realized that I had a passion for like creating programs to help children, too. Uh, so that's what kind of uh, made me move towards like the administrative route. Uh, I just really felt like that. Um, because of my experience, I had a duty to step up and to lead, especially with like the tough year that we're having uh, right now, you know, with COVID and everyone like the teachers uh, going through anxiety and all, like all of those different things. I thought that it was really important was for someone with my lens, uh, you know, like with the social emotional learning background to uh, to step forward and uh, take a leadership role so that we could kind of work on the the culture and the climate and try to help teachers in a variety of different ways that they need, but also assist students. And also, um, just thinking about uh, just all school counselors out there that might be listening, um, I, I think one of the, the strengths of being a, a former school counselor is I ask the why question. So if a kid's having uh, behavioral issues, I'm not just looking to uh, treat the behavior. I'm also trying to understand why the behavior exists and trying to figure out ways to help that student uh, so that they're not uh, reoccurring. That is so important. And You said so many things I want to address, but I'm going to just pick two. When I was thinking of going into administration, I said to my mother, who was in administration, I said, but I love impacting the lives of the kids that I have in front of me, the 130 kids. And she said, well, when you go into leadership, you're able to impact the lives of so many more by the things that you're doing. So let's talk about how you have impacted the lives of so many children as an assistant principal, specifically with the lens of SEL around the last two years with COVID has been, let's be honest, a nightmare, right? For teachers mm-hmm. and um, leaders. And and I am so proud of how educators have not just stepped up, but they've stepped up, they've stepped out, you know, they've been here for the, the people. But how have you used that lens and that voice of social emotional learning and the importance in your role as an assistant principal? And how do you suggest other people, assistant principals, principals, directors of guidance, guidance counselors, how would you recommend they find their voice around the importance of SEL and really pushing that as an initiative in the building? So, I mean, it it sounds simple, but one of the most important things that I would recommend for anyone to do, including myself, is just take take a second to actually listen. Um, Sometimes, um, you know, as as an administrator, like we feel like we know the answer, you know, like, hey, look, I'm here to solve the problem and just I know the answer. But a lot of times, like my answers and my solutions are not the best solution for that student skill set. So sometimes I think just um, taking the time to listen, uh, whether it's like a mediation, because like sometimes uh, actually this year, like we've had a lot of uh, conflict mediations uh, this year because like at first, like, you know, it's sort of like we call them down and we just talk to them like, hey, like you guys need to knock it off or whatever. But actually sitting down and kind of like in a small group setting and having the children sit down face to face and talk as adults. I think that is reduce the amount of fights that we've had in our school tremendously. So, uh, so like some of those small group skills really come into play there, you know, especially like after that, like sometimes like kids realize that they have, or I realize, and sometimes the kids realize that sometimes the stress at home is uh, leading to some of the issues at school and helping them work their way through that and finding their strengths, like looking for their assets so that they could kind of manage while they're at school and, and kind of get through that. I think the same thing's um, also true with a lot of our teachers. To be honest with you, I had, I've had many teachers in my office crying this year, uh, just at various points and just being able to listen to them and help them and, uh, to find their strength so that they could survive, you know, this crazy year. Um, so just, I think just a variety of those, those counseling skills have come into play. 
uh, we were, we're also working on putting in new programs like PBIS that are like t- uh, tied with MTSS and all those other things. So those things are coming uh, in, the, in the next year because we're kind of re- revamping things. But a lot of the counseling skills are really important inside of the office when it comes to helping children that are um, at risk. So would you agree that people who are in the role of counselor, guidance counselors, have a really unique skill set to go into administration and, oh, and sure. continue to really impact the school in a positive way? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, it's not even just the counseling skills. I mean, it's the program. Uh, the programs that they're kind of, uh, capable of running, especially if they're following the Ask a National model. Um, there's just so many different things. Like we uh, utilize data uh, to assess like how we're shifting mindsets and behaviors within the school. So there's all these different skill sets, database skill sets that are really great uh, like for administrators, uh, just looking at outcome data, looking to see if you're making an impact on student attendance, looking if you're reducing discipline. Uh, there's all these different skill sets that school counselors have um, especially if they're u- utilizing the ask a national model that are just so important uh, for that position, but also in leadership roles too. So you just said something I know nothing about, and I'm going to assume a lot of people don't. So can you tell me what this ask that national model thing is? Yeah, for sure. So ask is on its fourth edition of their national model. This national model is the model, um, like the comprehensive school counseling program that all school counselors should follow. Uh, everyone doesn't follow it, but everyone should follow it because um, it literally lays out the foundation. So you basically, you start off by, you know, like establishing like, you know, your beliefs, like what do you believe about um, students? Like, what do you believe? Like, what is your vision, your mission for the school? And then you lay that out uh, by like after like after you do that, then you start looking at uh, the mindsets and behaviors in the classrooms. Like, are those mindsets and behaviors healthy for student success? And then you d- design lessons and all these different things that have pre-assessments and post-assessments, and you analyze the data. And it's sort of like the action research cycle. So you know you identify a problem. All right, this is a problem in our school. Uh, we go in there like you know, and we um, implement a lesson, and we look at the results, and then we we go back again. You know, and and those skill sets and that mindset, realizing that it's a gradual shift. I, I think that that's super important. So all of this packed jam-packed within the Ask a National model. And um, and it also t- uh, ties really well like with any MTSS, uh, RTI, or PBIS program that you're running in the school. Like They work hand-in-hand. Hand. So it's just a really powerful program that I think all school counselors should utilize. Is that ASCA? Yep, American School Counselor Association. Okay, two things you said. So now I'm going to try and remember them. The first was about root cause analysis. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that is so hard for teachers, and I'm speaking from a person who was a teacher. When we refer people to the office, it's like we've hit our, what is it? 212 degrees is boiling. So we're at 215. And oftentimes teachers want to know what's the consequence. What's the consequence, you know? And they want to know that if you do A, the consequence is B. And I've always said to everyone with whom I've worked, when I was an administrator and obviously, especially when I was doing all the discipline, that it has to be twofold. There has to be consequences, but there also has to be education about how they're going to do things differently, but also understanding where that came from. And we did a lot of work in our school around trauma-informed pedagogy and understanding that everybody comes to school with their own little bag. How do you have those conversations with teachers when they come in and they're like, Mr. Key, what's the consequence? He, you know, whatever. How do you manage that? Because certainly from a counselor 
perspective, there's that teachable moment piece and root cause analysis. But then there's also as the assistant principal that, you know, I have to hold kids accountable. So tell me how you have that happy medium. Oh, I mean, so uh, so a lot of times, like, it really uh, just comes down to first, you know, I hear the teacher out because they're not looking to hear my answer right away. They're, a lot of times they're looking to be hurt. And I and I understand that because the thing in like in administration, a lot of people that are like rigid, like it's it's either uh, black or it's white. Like a lot of times they run into the problem because you're going to always find gray area um, in administration. There's always going to be like a, a land unknown in uh, administration. So the first thing that I do, I, I try to listen to them um, and just hear out their perspective and things like that. But also I think about, um, you know, like on the back end, like, you know, or on the front end, really, I think like a lot of it really comes down to prevention. Like, what are we doing? So I have a situation uh, going on now with a teacher that's had it up to here with a student. But when I'm reading the referral, it looks like all of these things escalated. Like it was constant, like badgering with the student. So we're going to talk about tomorrow. We're going to talk about prevention. Like, how can we manage this situation a little bit better so that it doesn't arise to the student storming out because you're tapping him? And things like that. Like, what can we do better uh, next time? So first, I would say, like, listen to the teachers, of course. I mean, even though you kind of have your idea in mind because you kind of have a a little bit more uh, information after talking to the student and hearing the student out. So I would listen to the teacher first because they want to feel her. And then from there, like, I would start looking at what classroom interventions, like, can we do? Like, what can we do on the front end uh, to help that student? Also, um, I think... Like a consequence that has no remedy is just a, a useless consequence. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to figure out, like, even if I'm going to deal out discipline, like, I want to make sure that you're meeting with a social worker if there's an issue going on at home. You need to meet with your school counselor. Um, like, we need to do that. I need to talk to your parents at home to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, I also want to know if the teacher's been calling home, like, are you giving the parents a fair chance? at fixing this problem before like you hit your boiling point. Like, have you called home? What, it, what have you done within the classroom? Have you, if uh, it's a group of friends, have you tried moving uh, the student away? Like, what have we done on the front end uh, so that we can avoid like the explosion? So there, there will be a consequence, but at the same time, like what are we doing to prevent this from happening again? So that's kind of how I look at it. You know, like there's, there's a consequence, but also like, what are we doing on the front end to uh, eliminate some of these problems? Yeah, I love that. In my school, my school psychologist, Beth Luby, if you're listening, Beth, I'm I'm giving you credit here. We would do an ABC chart. What's the antecedent? What's the behavior? I did that yesterday. And then like, what is the consequence? But also what is the change, right? So what do we want to change about it? Because if you don't understand what happened before, everything happened. can't control it. Right, right. We don't live in a bubble. Everything is impacted. So my next question for you is about compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. So, so many, you know, it's funny because people would say, oh, the teachers, you know, they have to worry about their kids. And, and I think of it like almost like a funnel, right? The teachers worry about their kids and the assistant principals worry about the teachers and the principals worry about the principal, the assistant principals and the teachers and the kids. You know, so as administrators, we tend to take on a lot of the actually secondhand trauma of what we're dealing with all the time, right? Because mm-hmm. we have to be empathic, because we have to listen, because we can't be judgmental. Although sometimes we might be, you know, because we're only human. What do you do about making sure that you're not impacted by compassion fatigue? And what suggestions do you have for assistant principals, principals, even teachers out there who are listening, who are like, oh my gosh, I just, I just feel like I can't go on anymore. Like my life is fine, but I'm so depressed and I'm, 
I'm, I can't sleep because I'm worried about, you know, so tell me a little bit about that. So I think recognition is the first step. Like you start recognizing the signs of burnout. Like, are you not as empathetic? You know, like, are you uh, becoming cynical? Like start like getting in tune with yourself, you know, listen to yourself. Are you, or most of your conversations at work negative? If those things are starting to happen, then you might need to fall back on like some extra duties, any anything that you're doing extra, you might need to fall back for a second. It's not saying quit everything, but take a break. Um, make sure that you're exercising. You know, I, I, I'm a big advocate for that. I would say exercise, even if it's just walking, getting out in the sun, uh, making sure that you're taking vitamins, like try to try to try to live a healthy lifestyle. I think that helps out a lot, too. Um, one of the things I do in the winter is I try to take vitamin D because I know we're not getting a lot of sunlight. So a lot of times, like I learned my first year in teaching that teachers usually have like seasonal um, affective disorder, SAD. So like a lot of times you end up feeling sad in the, in the wintertime and stuff like that. So I try to try to take care of things again on the front end uh, for myself. I listen to myself. I try to get exercise. I try to take uh, time away just for me. Like sometimes it means just sitting in the dark to recharge. Whatever it means, like for, for you, like whatever that looks like for you to recharge. Some people, you know, like you kind of look at the Myers-Briggs. Some people um, recharge by like actually getting out and talking to people. Other people just need to be alone for a second. So Whatever that looks like for you, make sure that you're recharging yourself when you're starting to have multiple negative conversations all day and you're cynical, you're not really caring about things and all of your conversations are negative. Do that first. And then, you know, like kind of like research from there. So there's a a poem that we learned in college uh, called Don't Quit. And it's just like rest if you must, but don't quit. Even with my YouTube channel, there there were moments like where I could feel myself becoming cynical and like my... YouTube channel is about positivity and uplifting people. So I had to take, a, you know, take a few days, you know, just to recover, like, from what was going on. Because, like, being an administrator, this year is a little crazy. So I just had to recognize what was going over, going on, fall back, get back in the gym, do those things, take care of myself, and then bounce back. Yeah, it's true. And I have found, and I might have said this in a previous, I did say this in a previous podcast. So I'm not sure if it was on mine or on somebody else's, but... um Journaling has helped me in the morning. I just write during the day, I write something for which I'm joyful. And my girlfriend said to me, you can't repeat it. So I can't say every day or what I'm thankful. I can't say every day I'm thankful for my children. You know, every day I have to find something else to be thankful for, you know, and that has helped me because it helps me realize that even if things are going wrong, there are so many other wonderful blessings in my life. Right. And it's some, mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard to see that. So there are people out there right now who are like me, who I call myself a house cat and um, I do exercise, but not because I love it, but because I right. know I need to. And I have been that person who is absolutely exhausted and I know it's compassion fatigue. And I cried to my husband and, and all of those things. And I will tell you when you're in that place, this is for the listeners and the viewers, you don't want to hear that you need to move your body. You don't, but mm-hmm. it works. It, it really does. If you it really does. get off the couch, mm-hmm. even if you walk to your mailbox and back, take the dog out, whatever. I know you don't want to, because I am that person when I'm in that place, it really does make a difference. And figuring out a way to be active every day really, really helps. So as we're wrapping this up, I want to ask a question about how do you ensure joy in your life right now? So like, I, I think like we're kind of like, like, you know, so like for me, like there's always like, I don't know why, like there's always like, I think it was, it was a book that I read, um, Atomic Habits. 
And like we don't um we don't rise like to our um I guess like our our goals or whatever. It's basically like we kind of fall like to our system. So like uh, with anything, like with joy, with anything, I literally have to build that into my schedule. And I know I seem like some type of schedule nerd or like prevention person or whatever. Um, but a lot of times I have to make sure that those things are scheduled. Like, so I know um, Friday at the end of the week, like I like to hang out with um, like my admin team and we talk about everything and we kind of like vent and we let it all go. And it, and then after that, like, it's just fun. It's just joy. Or um, I, I build in time to spend with my son and to uh, like, sometimes we go to uh, sky zone and jump around. So all those things are scheduled into my um into my life. So, you know, like vacations and all of those things. So I know I have these points um, where there will be joy. Even if there's a dark moment, I know like, you know, we're going to Orlando and, you know, there's there's all of those different things that are just built into my life. And I kind of think I, I look at things on the front end just because I've been in education for almost like 17 years. So I I know like what these things kind of feel like, you know, when I'm, when I'm hitting these bumps and stuff like that. And I, I can kind of even recognize just looking at my calendar, if I have so many events, like yesterday I had five meetings after work, I knew that I was going to be a little bit tired today. So I made sure to pack an energy drink today. Like, so there's just all those different things, just looking at my schedule for the week and also just looking out in the future, I could kind of tell like where I'm going to go and I build those happy moments uh, within my schedule. And, um, and I just try to enjoy those, like, you know, put the phone away. I would say that's another thing sometimes. Yeah. Like there's so much negative news, like on like your Twitter feeds, on uh, Facebook and things like that. So sometimes you just need to put that phone away and just live life. Go get some fresh air, um, walk, exercise, do those things and just enjoy your life. You only get one of them. That's right. And you know what? We can live it the way we want to live it. You know, I had these shirts made this year in my colors, my brand colors, Choose Joy. And I'm, I'm wearing one for each podcast um, recording because I really do think that you can choose between misery and joy and you have mm-hmm. to choose joy. Even in the darkest, as you said, even in the darkest of nights, there has to be, you know, joy can come in the morning. You know, right. so it's really very, uh, very important to do that. And one of the things that you mentioned about on Fridays with your admin t- team, that's self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting down and just like letting it go, you know, and, and I, I speak about when I'm coaching leaders about self-care, like that's important. It's not a it's a non-negotiable. Like people will think, oh, self-care is something that the rich people do. They go to spas. No, it can be as simple as, you know, calling up your best friend and being like, boy, I had a day, you know, or going on a walk or a cup of tea or going in your room by yourself or reading. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's all really, really important. So I asked these two questions, everybody on my podcast. Um, I'm going to ask them both and then you can answer them one at a time. The first one is what is your most what is your first joyful memory? And then the second one is, what is the most recent joyful thing that has happened to you? First joyful memory. I'm trying to think back to when I was really young. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, what was it? Okay, so I remember uh, one Christmas uh, <laughs> getting like a power wheels when I was a kid. I mean, that was a big deal. Um, like, cause I really like, I don't know, I like going fast. So. <laughs> So driving around, I thought I was the stuff, man. So like that was a really great moment. I, and I know it's probably like little bit. It's just something that really sticks out to me. Uh, like my first memory of just being like really, really excited about something. Uh, my most recent joyful memory. Um, 
uh, just watching my son play baseball, like every 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 time I watch him, like just seeing him like practice and grow, and then like he's hitting the ball and he's jumping up and down, happy and stuff like that. Um, just any time I get to hang out with my son, like which is like every day, um, it's it's a joyful moment for me. Like he is self care for me. So yeah, how old? Yeah, is no he? matter what he's doing, he's eight. And what's so anytime I get to see him, man, like which is it like like in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it uplifts me, you know, because his name, uh, his nickname is TJ. We have the same name. All right. Shout so, out, TJ. Yeah. TJ, yeah. you're yeah. important in your dad's life. So if you ever hear this, know that you bring him joy. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I am so pleased that I had you on today. Episode four of um, season two. Check out Terrell on his The Key to Success YouTube channel. And all of his information will be in the link on the podcast or on YouTube. Thank you so much. It's been a blessing. I hope to continue collaborating with you in the future. And everyone, thanks for tuning in. More wonderful guests uh, this season. This has been another edition of the Joyful Educational Leadership Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and share it with friends and colleagues. If you'd like to join our mailing list, please go to www.joyfuleducationalleadership.com where you can learn more about how you can become the joyful leader you were meant to be. 